Hey everybody, happy NFL playoff weekend. Sam Ellinger here, sports columnist with the Kansas City Star. I am grateful for you listening to the 38th episode of the Mellinger Minutes for Your Ears podcast. 38 is, of course, the number of touchdown passes thrown this season by Patrick Mahomes, who is now three years into a career establishing his baseline play as MVP level. Our goal today, as always, is to be worth your time. This week, we're going to do that with a sort of viewing guide uh, for one of the best football weekends imaginable for Chiefs fans. Another great batch of questions, everything from, from Zoom backgrounds to Byron Pringle's playing time, how the lack of fans might impact how uh, we look at this year's Super Bowl champion and more. We're going to finish with some audio you have not heard before from Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Tyron Matthew. And I've never done this before, and I'm not sure when I might do it again, but you really should listen to this stuff, especially the clips with with Herbie asking questions. So I'll just leave it at that. Okay. The Star is running a special promotion for the Sports Pass right now. Dollar a month for three months of all of our sports coverage, including more original Chiefs content than you can find anywhere else. You can find that on our website or just reach out to me, Twitter, Facebook, email, whatever, and, and I'll send you the link. I appreciate all of you who've listened and written in asking for the link. Your support means everything to me, to everybody that that works at the Star, so thank you. Okay, uh, guys, for years and years, I have always maintained that one of the best, maybe the best, sports weekend of the year came in the NFL's division round of the playoffs. You know, four games, the best of the best, a Saturday and a Sunday, each slammed with some high-level, consequential football. You know, the, the difference between being forgotten, right, if you lose that division round, or you're a step from the Super Bowl. I'm here for it. I always will be. I still am. But I have to say, and I, I know this is falling straight into the, you know, trap for the NFL's revenue grab here, but, you know, two straight days of triple headers this weekend, incredible. I know this is more a function of a weird 2020 season than anything that, you know, I would assume would be sustainable going forward. But it, it, especially in the AFC, like these are all good teams, you know. Like, let's set the NFC aside for a second. Actually, you know, like Seattle against the Rams, that, that is a terrific matchup in either the best or the second best of the weekend. But I wanted to use this top section here, you know, sort of a viewing guide for, for Chiefs fans this weekend, which means obviously focus on those uh, AFC teams. You know this already, but, you know, just to make sure we're all starting from the same spot here, the, the AFC games, it's, it's Colts-Bills uh, noon on Saturday. Ravens Titans noon on Sunday and then Brown Steelers 7:15 on Sunday night. If all you care about is the Chiefs, this is probably the order you'd want the games in actually, you know, because if, if the Colts beat the Bills and, you know, unlikely, right? But obviously possible. If if the Colts beat the Bills then the other games just don't matter. Um you'll know that the Colts will play the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium next weekend. If the Bills win, then the Chiefs are going to play the Ravens Titans winner unless the Browns beat the Steelers. Everybody got it? Um it's Almost for sure going to be the Colts if they beat, well, it will be for sure the Colts if they beat the Bills. And then almost for sure, if the Bills beat the Colts and almost for sure, Ravens, Titans winner. Okay, um, we'll, we'll go over this step by step. So, all right, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan, um, right, or how to watch the games. But, you know, just a, a few things I'll be looking for, you know, from a Chiefs perspective in these games. Um, and let's do them in order. Like the, the Bills are the number two seed. I think pretty clearly the second best team in the AFC. And I, I think there's a coherent case to be made that they're the second best team in the NFL. The, the Bills defense essentially played scared against the Chiefs back in week six, if you remember that game. They used a lot of dime personnel, tried to keep the Chiefs running and not throwing. And I, I guess you could say it worked. You know, the Chiefs didn't throw it as often as usual, but they also ran for 245 yards and, and they controlled every second of the game. I, I, I bring that up 
to make this point that those guys have been a lot better. The Bills defense has been a lot better over the second half of the season, and and they've been particularly better against the run. Um, The point I'm making here is that the Bills defense that you'll likely see against the Colts is not going to look anything like the one that played the Chiefs two and a half months ago. You know what I mean? So I'm going to, in this game, I'm going to be particularly watching how that secondary, uh, Tredavious White especially, um, you know, but how those guys cover T.Y. Hilton and Zach Paschal. And I'm going to be watching to see if that defensive line which was the the Bills defensive line was a shambles against the Chiefs if you remember that they they had some healthy scratches that was, it was it was a mess but they've been better lately and and I want to see if they're able to get much of a push against you know the Colts that have one of the league's best offensive lines maybe the best but you know on the other side of the Colts win you know I'm going to be interested in whether Philip Rivers looks like the you know the 39 year old borderline wash job if I'm honest um, of how I think of him right now or, or whether he's got one more rodeo. Jonathan Taylor's been one of the league's best backs over the last two months, and that could obviously be a factor against the Chiefs. The Colts have stars every level of that defense. You know, Darius Leonard in the middle, um, Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore in the back, and then DeForest Buckner across the line. They're able to slow down the Bills. That would be a hell of an accomplishment and set up a really interesting week to see how they match up against the Chiefs. So again, from the Chiefs' perspective, if the Bills beat the Colts, then the interest turns to Ravens-Titans at noon on Sunday. And it's either this or Seahawks-Rams, I would say, is the game of the weekend for me. So for me, like this Ravens-Titans, these are the best two teams of the potential division round opponents for the Chiefs. And and I think the two most capable of beating the Chiefs as well. Obviously, you're going to be watching Lamar Jackson, right, who has looked really like an MVP the last month or so. That offense is blasting away again. They're at 267 yards rushing per game over the last five. That is insane and if that's who they are back to being now right like that is a rough matchup for the Chiefs you know and I know I said a couple seconds ago I said the Bills defense has been a lot better over the last month or two same thing could be said about the Ravens like since Thanksgiving they've get they've kept every opponent but one under 20 points they played some bad teams but they've given up 30 total over the last three they are really cooking on that side of the ball Patrick Queen Marlon Humphrey, Matt Judon, I mean, those, those, guys, those guys are really playing well. The Titans, the Titans have become like one of my favorite teams to watch. They, they score a ton of points. And, you know, Derrick Henry is one of the best three or five players in the league. And that sets up that play action. They got these big receivers, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis to work, you know, in single coverage downfield when that happens. Arthur Smith, the, the offensive coordinator for the Titans, um, also the son of the FedEx founder, uh, which I always think is interesting. But, you know, he's getting some of those head coaching looks for a reason. The Titans defense can be had, right? So, you know, the worst case scenario, you'd think a Chiefs-Titans game might turn into a shootout. Um, but they do create a lot of turnovers, the Titans do. So that's obviously something to keep an eye on. So look, if we're just speaking honestly here, um, we've probably already talked about the Chiefs' next opponent. Again, if the Colts win, that's who it is. If the Colts lose, then it's probably the Titans-Ravens winner. And I say that because the only other possibility is if the Browns beat the Steelers. And, you know, the NFL is wild, but, you know, this one is just hard to see. And not, not, not just because, you know, the Browns needed to win late against sort of a, not even sort of, but a skeleton Steelers team last weekend. You know, Mike Tomlin was uh, resting Ben Roethlisberger, TJ Watt, a bunch of other stars. But also, this game will shift to Heinz Field now. And much more importantly, the, the Browns have been rocked by a load of, of, of COVID scares this week. Kevin Stefanski, who really did a great job, uh, you know, in his first year as the Browns coach, he's, he's going to watch from home. He tested positive. Joel Badonio, you know, pro bowl guard, really good player. 
He's also going to miss the game, and that could be a really big deal against one of the best pass rushes in the league, right? It, it is possible that, you know, Batonio and uh, Kadero Hodge, they, they might be the wide receiver, Kadero Hodge, they, they might be the only players unavailable. But, you know, the prep week has been thrown into the blender. You know, the, the facility's been closed. Practices are turned into Zoom meetings. But, you know, look, anything is possible, right? So if the Browns win, I'll be watching that front seven, which is one of the better groups in the league, particularly Miles Garrett. You know, the Browns can give up some points, but those guys up front can wreck game plans too. You know, offensively, I think the, the, the Browns' path against the Chiefs would mostly involve Kareem Hunt, old friend Kareem Hunt, right, and, and Nick Chubb. Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins, um, even Donovan Peoples-Jones, like those guys, the, the receivers, they can make some big plays lately. So uh, one last point I want to make about all of this is that whoever the Chiefs play this weekend, whether it's the Colts, whether it's the Ravens, the Titans, the Browns, whatever, whoever the Chiefs play next weekend will, you know, obviously have won this weekend and, and done so under a spotlight. And I think that's just going to make the discussion next week around the Chiefs playoff game, it's going to be different than if it happened during a regular work week. And I think people like me, like, you know, uh, reporters or media, whatever you want to say, this is probably especially true, right, for some national folks who, to be honest, have probably never watched an entire Colts game from start to finish this season, you know, until this weekend. But I think a lot of like the national, you know, sort of analysts or whatever, the, the loudest of them, um, it's that stuff is usually just soaked with recency bias. There, there are a lot of people. Dan Orlovsky comes first to mind, but there are a lot of people doing some great analysis, you know, nationally. I mean, there, there there's some lot of smart people, but it does seem like the loudest voices. If you listen to them next week, um, you probably just shouldn't. Um, so you know, teams change, they evolve, and this is actually part of why the Chiefs are going to be counting. Uh, on this postseason. So I'm not here dismissing any of that out of hand, you know, making a reaction over something that happened this weekend. I'm just telling you that sometimes it's good to remember that the games this weekend, that's just one data point, you know, one three hour block. And, you know, performances and strategies can and often do change wildly based on specific personnel matchups and groupings. I just think we should keep that in mind next week. So, you know, I guess what I'm saying here, it's not a terrible idea to approach this weekend with just a, a calm. If you're a Chiefs or, or a Packers fan too, right? But if you're a Chiefs fan, you, you're watching desperate teams play for the right to play your team while your team rests and watches. That's a pretty cool place. That's a that's a good place to go from. So, you know, if nothing else, this is the last stress-free football weekend of the season for you. Think about it like that, right? Okay, before we move on to the rest of the show, the podcast is free, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you one more time to join us behind the paywall. We work hard to bring you information and perspectives you can't get in other places. We have the most journalists working the Chiefs beat, the most combined experience around the team, the most perspectives. Please help support us. Give the Sports Pass a try. Again, you can join for a dollar a month for the first three months or $30 for a year. You find those links online or uh, reach out to me on Twitter or Facebook or email and I'll send them along quick break and then we will be back with some questions if you want to participate next week's show please call 816-234-4365 and leave your first name where you're calling from and almost literally any question put the number in your phone call anytime 816-234-4365 or as the great reader michael points out 816 beg idle quick break and then we are back with those questions Sam, hey, 
This is Robin Sarr from Tennessee. Just a quick question. I noticed uh, in watching ESPN the other day, they had Desmond Howard and his background, like all professional athletes have their awards. And of course, he had the reference to Notre Dame and maybe his Heisman Trophy. But he also had a table book that was predominantly displayed over his right shoulder from Petit Philippe, if I'm pronouncing the high-end watch company correctly. And I was, you know, I thought that was an obscure reference, non-sports. More importantly, I, I triggered the thought, I wonder if he's getting uh, free watches from that or indirect uh, money from that. Uh, more importantly, was wondering if that is something that's built into your contract or do you think in other sports contracts, do you think that uh, for all these Zoom calls, if they have dictated that to uh, ensure that you guys don't get uh, additional monies? But I know as a reporter, you probably have more ethics than that. But uh would love to hear your opinion and kind of uh, your thoughts on where that might be going, especially in the Zoom world. Thanks. So I haven't seen that, but uh, that's amazing. Um, you, you see people with books they've written, you know, strategically placed or, you know, helmets from where they played or from where they went to college or whatever. But, um, you know, the product placement like that, that is that is next level. Um, you know, maybe I just haven't noticed um, or it could be that that sort of thing is just, you know, so far outside of what I have the energy to care about that I just don't. Um, you know, I'm about this life, too. Right. Like you probably know if. Uh, you know, if you've had the burden of seeing my and if this was video and not a podcast right now, like you'd see my Chris Farley air quotes on this. But uh, if you know, I'm talking about my Zoom background, um, I, I basically have like two spots in the house I work from now. And um, as such, two spots where I do video calls. Um, one is, you know, my actual home office, um, which is, you know, really just a gorgeously ugly and uh, overstuffed old green chair that is so comfortable. Um, I love that thing. Um, but anyway, on, on the wall behind there, uh, you know, when I'm just sitting there, there's a, a frame my wife did for me. I think 49 baseball, football, basketball cards, whatever, uh, that just mean something to me, right? Like not necessarily the best or the most valuable cards, but they're the ones that make me think of stories or people or memories that just kind of make me smile. Um, I can't remember if I mentioned this before or not here. Uh, so apologies if I have, but I, I'm working on another frame. Um, that would probably end up being visible from that spot too. And guys, I'm excited. Um, four magazine covers. It'll be two Sports Illustrated's, two Beckett Monthly's. Only the realest ones remember Beckett Monthly, by the way. But anyway, uh, four old magazine covers with Bo Jackson, obviously, on them. And uh, I suppose that's my brand now. Um, the other spot I have is our bedroom. Um, and, uh, you know, sitting in this half-broken rocker uh, that I'm actually sitting in right now that uh, we, we bought this thing for our first son, who is now six and a half. And, um, you know, the tidiest I ever get up here is sort of, you know, pointing the computer in a way that you can only see the wall and, you know, not our bed in the background. But yeah, I mean, I'm not for the product placement. Um, you know, I'm not going to fault the hustle of anyone who does it. But um, I guess I'm like old school journalism enough to believe like it just kind of says something about the person doing it that I don't want to be said about me. Does that make sense? Um, OK, here's the chief's question. Good morning, Sam. This is Kelly. I am a longtime Chief fan from South Dakota, uh, 1979 to be exact. And my question for the podcast is, what on earth am I missing that Pringle is not getting more playtime? The guy is a baller. The eye test definitely supports that he would get more snaps. And I'm just curious why the man is not getting more time on the field. Have a great day. Bye. 
Uh, Kelly, it is a good question and uh, one that I think a lot of Chiefs fans have. You know, if you ask the coaches, they're going to tell you they appreciate Pringle, everything that he can do. Um, he's a really good special teams guy too. But uh, you know, they, they'd say they appreciate him, um, and they would basically point to a really talented and deep wide receiver room. Um, you know, here's the thing that's interesting. Uh, at least it is to me. Did you know that Pringle is almost a full year older than Demarcus Robinson? Um, and, you know, Robinson has 186 targets in his career. Pringle has 33. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. But, you know, th- that answer that the coaches would give you, uh, you know, it, absolutely. Uh, that, that is true. It is a loaded receiver room. Um, but there's some nuance here. But, um, but it is it does start with that fact. I mean, you know, Tyreek Hill, one of the best, what, five receivers in the game, whatever. Um, Sammy Watkins, strong target, good in the red zone. Really good downfield blocker. Um, you know, I think we can all see that the Chiefs are better when he's on the field. Uh, McCole Hardman has, you know, this elite speed that helps everything go. Um, Demarcus Robinson has been in the system five years. And, you know, we could make fun of moments like, you know, the, the punt return against the Saints or, you know, wonder why he didn't see the, the play the same way as Mahomes on the interception in Las Vegas. But he's also good for some really big moments. You know, um, it, those things get forgotten sometimes. But you remember that one-handed touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone against the Texans last year? Or, um, you know, the long touchdown against the Raiders in 2018, the one where he and Mahomes did see the same thing. Uh, Robinson changed his route and Mahomes saw it too. And it was like, a, it was an 89 yard touchdown. Um, you know, the game winning touchdown against the Falcons, just, you know, in the last competitive game, that was a perfect route, a uh, perfectly timed double move once the defensive backs hips turn. So, I mean, look, like if it's me from what I've seen, like taking everything into account, like I probably would have Pringle on the field more than the Chiefs do, but it's also easy for fans and, and people like me, media, to forget that, you know, when things like this happen, you know, personnel decisions and such, like things that don't make sense on the surface, the, the coaches know exponentially more than we do. And, you know, practice, meetings, they know the calls, like all this stuff. Like I just, let's not forget that, right? Um, and, I, and I do think the fact that we're talking about this, about who the Chiefs, what number five receiver is, um, they are in a great position uh, at that spot. And, you know, the way they're built, um, you know, the Chiefs need to be great at receiver as well. So, um, you know, at the same time, they can only put so many receivers on the field. And unless you're taking Kelsey off or, you know, going empty backfield, it's going to be really hard to get, you know, five or even four receivers on the field at the same time. So, um, okay. Anyway, I like this next question uh, about a, a, a postseason without full stadiums. Hey, this is Nick from the suburbs of Chicago, and a question for the podcast. Since most NFL stadiums are going to have no fans or very few fans, uh, potentially all the way up to the Super Bowl, does that change the way that we feel about the winner of the Super Bowl this year in a positive or negative way, that they didn't have to deal with crowd noise or maybe didn't benefit from it? Thanks. Enjoy the show. It's a really good question, and it has, you know, different threads that we could probably spend hours talking about because, you know, like just about everything else right now, um, you know, the result is going to have an asterisk, um, you know, real or informal. It just it just is. Things are different. Uh, but I would argue that this will be one of the most difficult Super Bowls to win in recent or, you know, even the totality of NFL history. Uh, you know, not an asterisk like this doesn't count, but one that says, like, this one was real. This one was, you know, even harder. Um, than, than, than they were before. Because, you know, there, there's always a million obstacles that can sink a team or a season or a postseason. 
Um, and now, you know, each team is just getting even more, um, you know, look at the Browns, right? Like, and, and look, like we've seen some teams just screw up and they deserve no sympathy. Um, you know, like the Ravens a month ago, whatever that was. Um, some, you know, there's times where they just simply fail to comply with protocols and they put themselves in trouble. But, you know, we also know that the virus can't be completely shut out, you know, like no protocols, no masks, anything like that. Nothing's 100 percent effective. So, um, you know, look, we, we've seen offensive or offseason workouts, training camp, regular season practices, you know, even game times and dates um, have been changed because of all this like game plans have to shift. Coaches have to be flexible. There's just a lot of moving parts here. And, uh, you know, football people don't normally deal with this stuff. And, you know, you know how much football people just live in fear of, you know, uncontrollable moving parts. So this that's a real obstacle. Um, the home field thing, like I, I should point out that, you know, generally speaking, I, I don't think home field advantage is as much of a thing as it's made out to be. Um, and I think it's less of a thing than it used to be. And not just because of COVID, but I think instant replay, coaches challenges, uh, you know, improved communications, all these other advancements have sort of diminished the actual effect that crowd noise can have on the actual football, right? Like also that's reflected in the numbers too, by the way, this isn't just me like watching, um, you know, it's certainly shown up with the Chiefs over the years. I know everybody likes to talk about, you know, the 142.2 and all that stuff, but you know, the Chiefs record at Arrowhead under Andy Reid is almost a mirror of their road record. Um, you know, it just hasn't mattered that much. So, um, all that said, my assumption is that if, if the Chiefs and the Packers, um, you know, the number one seeds, the ones with, you know, home field advantage throughout, if one of them win the Super Bowl, then I assume a lot of people will point out, um, and fairly so, that it was a more difficult run for them than it would have been with full stadiums. Um, so I don't know, man. Like, you know, winning a Super Bowl is hard under any circumstance, um, right? But I do think it'll be a little harder this year than than in most. Um, okay, this last one, not really a question, but I, <laughs> I think you'll hear why we just had to play this one. Okay. Hey, Sam, uh, this is Phil from Sioux Falls, and I don't have a question for the podcast or anything, but I've just got to tell you, I just got done hilariously laughing in my car by myself because of a comment you made on this week's podcast. By the way, thank you for using my question. Your riff on Famous Dave's. And as I'm listening, I'm sitting in the parking lot of Famous Dave's in Sioux Falls, and I just had to start laughing because I'm getting takeout tonight uh, because this is all we have in Sioux Falls. So that's why I, one of the reasons why I love coming back and visiting Kansas City and I'll be back there this summer for real barbecue. But I just had to let you know um, the the coincidence of what just happened. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Uh, Phil, um, my man, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing, but I'm also feeling very sad for you. Um, I, I, I want you to know that I'm feeling very very sad for you um famous days man uh let, let's just move, let's just move on um what sorry one more quick break and then we are back with some audio from uh patrick mahomes and andy reed that you have not heard before So 
So uh, a few of us were able to talk with with Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Tyron Matthew this week. The conversations weren't exactly private. Obviously, they were over Zoom, but they were a little bit more relaxed than, you know, sort of that standard template stuff you see posted on the Chiefs YouTube channel or whatever. And I wanted to share a few clips from those um, that I thought you guys might like. The, the first is from Mahomes, who was asked, I want to set this up, but he, he was asked how he handles all the demands on his time so well, you know, never appears to be overwhelmed or rushed or whatever. And, you know, his answer was smooth and easy, you know, started with the fact that he's sort of been around this his whole life, right? Like his dad and godfather pitched in the big leagues. So, you know, he's seen firsthand and kind of, you know, been around people who've had to talk to reporters, deal with fans at restaurants, you know, have those sorts of demands. Um, and, and somewhere in there, he mentioned that, uh, you know, about sometimes saying things that he regretted. And so the uh, the ever alert Sam McDowell um, asked for an example. And uh, here's what Patrick said. There, there wasn't anything I regretted saying, but I remember my first year here, I said something about a dynasty and, and, and they were kind of shook about that. But I'm trying to prove them wrong still. So maybe if we get a couple <laughs> more Super Bowls, it'll, it'll look like I was predicting the future. You know what? Like I had just completely forgotten about that. But, you know, back in what, what he's talking about here is back in 2018. And, you know, this is before Mahomes had ever taken a single snap as the Chiefs QB1. But back in 2018, um, you know, Mahomes told uh, the great uh, Jenny Vrentis, by the way. Uh, but he told Jenny, and, and I quote, with the young nucleus we have, I feel like we can have a great dynasty coming forward, end quote. I had completely forgotten about that. And I think maybe I was like too caught up with Brett Veach. And and again, this was before Mahomes ever took a snap as QB1. But, um, you know, remember Brett Veach called Mahomes the best player he had ever seen before he played like real games. Um, just absolutely amazing. Like these guys like calmly, like coldly calling these moonshots. And then it turns out they were just talking honestly. But anyway, um, here's a clip from Andy Reid, and I, I asked him about like sort of how much teams can really change, you know what I mean, from the regular season to the playoffs. And I just thought this is interesting. It's certainly something that a lot of fans have been talking about, whether it's, you know, saving plays or, you know, being quote unquote bored with the regular season or whatever. Anyway, here's his answer. Yeah, well, I think the base, uh, kind of your base uh, set of plays are relatively the same, but you always have a few little extra wrinkles in there that you can you can dash out. You're not going to just all of a sudden go, okay, we're done with this offense. We're going to put another offense in. You can't do that. Um, you can't do that defensively either. So, <clears throat> so you take the base fundamentals of uh, the offense with uh, kind of your base plays, and then you work around that, and you can – work in some things that maybe you've worked on in camp that you've just kind of put aside, you know, that you haven't had to use up to this point. And and then, uh, you know, the same way that you were talking earlier, I can't remember whose question it was, but about how teams playing the Super Bowl champions can sort of, you know, raise their level. Do you feel like, is, is there an extra gear that you guys have um, for, for this part of the season? Yeah, sure. I mean, well, you have to. You have to be able to take it up a, a, another notch without getting so uh, tied into that that you that you completely can't function. So yeah. sometimes you can try so hard that uh, uh, that you yeah, everything goes the opposite way. So you you got to work within it and uh, and rise up uh, to to those challenges that, that are given. You try to continue to maximize what you think you're capable of and you, you have to do it for three games, you know, and 
uh, like I said, it starts with game one because of the single elimination factor. Okay, so here's Tyron Matthew. Uh, and one thing about that defense, and, you know, this is easy to forget now, but they were closer to garbage than they were good last year for the first few months of, of the 2019 season. Um, you know, then came that trip to Mexico City just before Thanksgiving. Um, you know, when the, the defense won that game against the Chargers, and from there they gave up like 11 points per game. They really came together incredibly well. It happened fast. Um, you know, they were obviously less than perfect in the playoffs, um, you know, though I think it's important to remember that the offense and the special team should wear most of the blame for the, the big deficit against the, te- the against the Texans. Um, and But they were great in the Super Bowl. Not good, but great in the Super Bowl um, against the 49ers, especially when they needed it. So anyway, this is admittedly a bit of a stretch, if we're honest. But I do think it's worth noting that the defense just played what might have been, you know, taking everything to, into account, like their best game of the season against the Falcons. And, and before that, they had a run of playing really, really well um, against tough opponents um, until the fourth quarters, obviously. But playing really, really well against some tough opponents, uh, the Bucks, the Dolphins, the Saints. So anyway, I, I just thought it was worth asking Tyron if he felt any similarities, you know, right now versus um, a year ago at this time. Yeah, I, I, you know, I feel like we can get, you know, really a lot better, um, you know, especially in the red zone, uh, you know, like you mentioned you know, closing out games, uh, which I felt like a few games we did close out, but it was more, you know, that we kind of let kind of get away from us. And so if we can clean those things up. Um, I felt like we can really, you know, be in a position, you know, where we're really confident and comfortable uh, about what we're doing defensively. Um, you know, I can look at some of the guys' eyes, and most of the guys' eyes, um, everybody's committed, everybody's motivated to kind of play their best ball, you know, going forward. And so I think that Atlanta game was a good game for us to have. Uh, you know, you saw big guys up front, you know, have some success, get to the quarterback. Um, and I think as, as long as those guys are able to kind of, you know, be be happy and, and, and be ready and, and get to the quarterback, uh, everybody else on the defense is going to uh, benefit from that. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to uh, in the postseason, you know, seeing our big guys get after the quarterback and, and that's on the back end, you know, being able to keep teams out of the uh, red zone, keep teams out of the end zone, um, and, and then being able to, to really impact the game late in the game. All right, so that's it for the football stuff. But honestly, you guys, I would not be doing my job if I didn't share one more thing with you. You know I love Herbie. <laughs> he's, he's as thorough and as diligent a reporter as you can find. And he approaches every day with an energy that can lift the rest of us up. I mean all that from the bottom of my heart. And you can probably sense that this is all a setup for me to make fun of him. So let's just let's just play this clip of him asking Patrick Mahomes a question. Hey, Patrick, uh, I have a cl- two uh, lines of questions here. The first one's probably going to take you, uh, might take you, might surprise you a little here, but I'm, I'm curious. Michael Jordan, uh, back in his playing days, would always listen to the sweet sounds of Anita Baker, giving you the best that I got to help motivate him during the game. Uh, and what's all, if I were to look at your your iPod or, or your your CD collection, what's what, what's your go to music preparing for a game or even in the house? <laughs> uh, you guys, I. <laughs> I have been laughing about this for days now. I've been laughing about it um, on a text thread with Herbie and Vahe and Blair and those guys. Um, I've been laughing about it with my wife. I've been <laughs> I've been laughing about it. Just like it just comes to me. Like I'm working, minding my own business, trying to get my job done, and I just start laughing. It, it's it's not about him asking about music, right? Like we all go away from football times, and we should, but. But you guys, this is a professional journalist 
asking a 25-year-old millionaire about his iPod and CD collection in the year of the Lord 2021. I mean, um, I <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and, and like, if you listen, like, Mahomes is such a pro too, right? Like, he answered the question professionally, saying, you know, he likes rap and hip hop and EDM, even offered, you know, his fiance bought him a DJ board for Christmas that he was going to work on in the offseason. Like, total pro answer, right? But anyway, like, obviously a few of us were just hammering Herbie with no mercy on a text thread. And and when this was all going on, enough that at the end of the conversation, um, Herbie busts back in and he's not helping, but we're just going to play this clip through. I forgot to apologize. I was catching some grief from the guys when I asked you about an iPod and CDs and cassettes. Yeah, I, I was wondering. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't have any CDs. So I was. I just had to let it go. Okay, so what do you have? <laughs> it's like, what, I, what is I, I just got the phone. Thing? You know, you got like Apple Music and stuff like that. So I just kind of keep keep the streaming services. <laughs> you guys, you like you can't make this up, right? Like my guy Herbie. He says like, oh, streaming services, like it's like some new fangled thing that like only the kids listen to, right? Like this is just, ab- this is a tour de force performance by Herbie. Um, did you know that he had never heard of Apple Music, you guys? Like, <laughs> like I just, I, <laughs> my man had never heard of Apple Music in 2021. All right, we, we got to get out of here. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, I, I hope we're worth your time. And if I can impose, I hope we're worth subscribing to, rating, and reviewing. It really helps us get the word out. Uh, thanks to Savannah Smith for putting this together. Uh, thanks to everyone who called in, even those we couldn't get to this week. Again, uh, biggest thanks to you for listening. Let's let's do it again next week. Have a week. Have a great weekend. Be kind, and you know maybe listen. <laughs> maybe listen to those newfangled streaming services. <laughs> <laughs>